Hello everybody, Janet Urban here, founder of Friends in Film. Welcome to our podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to give you insights that you will not learn anywhere, not in film school, not online, not from anybody, even people on film sets will not know what I'm teaching you because we have studied how to go very fast into the film industry and create a career out of it. And that is what this podcast is about. And that is what the A-List program is about, which is our main flagship program that all these people all over the world are doing to work in the film industry. So enjoy today's podcast and thank you so much for listening. How about just starting about talking about your accomplishments? Biggest accomplishments, I guess. Um, Screening the Marcel the Shell uh, yeah. here yesterday. That was a pretty big highlight. Yeah. Um, well, was... being okay. First of all, being nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your your film being nominated for an Academy Award. What an amazing thing. Okay. So so tell me um, the trajectory of that. Just a little bit, like when you realize, like, oh my God, it's actually going to be nominated. Did you get a phone yeah. call? I mean, what happened? My excitement for it started mounting when I finally got to see a cut of the project. Oh yeah. Um, I got to go to that. That was pretty exciting and getting to see the film and all and seeing, okay, this is a good project. But did you think that it was a small, did you, what did you think? Did you think it was more like a, like a, it felt like a little project yeah. where like some folks are doing and like, you know, they had some names attached. It was like this, this could go somewhere there's some potential here, but yeah. you never know, you know, it wasn't a studio project or yeah. something like that. First time you work with Liz Holm and yeah. she was the, she was one of the producers, producers. and the she has done a lot of indie films in the past. Yeah. Okay. yeah. She's had a lot of projects, go to festivals and stuff like that. So you knew that you wanted to, to develop that relationship. Yes. Because you want to do more feature films, yeah? Yeah, and she was a wonderful producer to work with. She was the mm -hmm. one who I mentioned last night in our Q&A. Yeah. She was the one who came up with doing the show and tell every night the night before so that everyone would be on the same page with what the director wanted and all. So she was a huge advocate for us in the art department as well. Oh, can you talk about the show and tell? Yeah, so basically because Marcel was such a complicated piece to... Mm -hmm piece all of the moving parts together and decide what was going to be stop motion, what was going to be real life, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, all of the props, all of the things that Marcel interacts with had to be kind of tested out and make sure that they would do what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, early on, once we started filming, we started noticing that the director's style was very kind of in the moment, sort of, which mm -hmm. made it tricky for us to prepare all of these complicated oh. things that had to work properly and not hold up the day. Yeah. So what we would do and what Liz Holm came up with to kind of help that was we would prepare all of those things um, and present them mm -hmm. at wrap the day before we went on to shoot them so that the director mm -hmm. and producers and the DP could see, like, how the tennis ball rolls or how, oh, yeah. you know, the spoon flips. And we could yeah. get feedback that night, yeah. troubleshoot it, pick stuff up in the morning if we needed it, yeah. and be ready to go. So smart. So, yeah, it's something we've I've implemented that on other projects, too, where it's like, mm. you know, usually that's something that's all ironed out and prep and stuff, but sometimes mm. if it's a tight schedule or whatever, yeah. you know, you got to fit it in there, work with the AD and scheduling and stuff, and, yeah. you know. It helps things go smoother once the cameras are up and the lights are up and actors are in makeup. You don't want your little prop or something holding the whole day up. 
you get on a project with really amazing people that have a lot of experience and a long track record, and this is what they do. And together in the troubleshooting process of making the film happen, you discover these little ways of operating that you keep with you for your entire career that propel you to get even more work because you're, you've, got, you've got this way of working from other amazing people. So how did that it now impact how you work with other projects, commercials, feature yeah. films? Yeah. Um, it's gotten me a lot more comfortable with just presenting what I have for the project and yeah. being open to feedback on it and all, you know, being confident that I'm bringing something good and have some yeah. options in my back pocket if they want yeah. something different, but getting ahead of that. Not pushing it off and, oh, we'll talk about it later, this or that, whatever. No, I want the answers as soon as possible. I want to be ahead of this stuff so I can be problem solving and troubleshooting ahead of time because there's always going to be last minute things that you have to handle. So the more you you can get ahead of everything else, the better prepared for success you'll be. Um, the more aware that every other department's going to be of what's going on. Yeah, it just allows for um, a better environment on the project, which is nice. It's, all, it's not the main goal. We're there to film a project, but if we can have a good time doing it, yeah. that's great. <laughs> you seek out that information so that you're prepared, and then every day you break it down on a day-by-day basis and seek out what needs to be happened, and then you make a mental list of the conversations that need to happen and the trials I usually make a physical happen. list because there's so much yes. going on. I have a notebook with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes up that I need to, that I'm responsible for, Mm -hmm. that someone else is responsible for and I need to check in with a week later or something, any of that. I write it, physical, pen, paper, so that then I can check it off after once it's done. I've learned that's the way I can keep myself accountable. Just because my department, there are so many little moving parts and details and this Uh thing, the right color, and this coming from a different vendor or something. So it's wild to think that I could keep that all in my brain. You pick up these ways of operating in your job that make you totally complete in what you're able to, to, to deliver, as well as they, everybody has confidence in you. And yeah. it, it, goes sm- okay, it goes smoothly, you don't forget anything, and you're bringing also production on board so that they know what to expect and what everything costs. But this, when we wrap it all up together, it's like, you gotta work with this guy. So yeah. it's, it's many moving parts. Yeah. So yeah, let's do, let's talk about the elements of what you've learned that makes you exceptional. Really, what that's what it is. It's like you're like butter to work with. Yeah, people love to work with me. So, but why? Um, yes, I why? would look at it. So you know how when we're starting out PAing, we're putting together a backpack yeah. with the basic tools that we need. Yeah. Pens and sharpies and the you sharpies, know, the, maybe the the yeah, call the super sheet, glue, the, the like the yeah, yeah. the little. The little tools that allow you to do your job really well. For me, as I moved into art department, I was building an actual toolbox with things like screwdrivers and a measuring tape and, you know, tools to make me do my job even better. So this sort of thing we're talking about could be looked at as kind of a a mental or a virtual toolbox where I pick up little tools like have a show and tell with the director the night before. 
That's a tool. It goes in my toolbox and I bring it to the next job. Yeah. Have a conversation with the producers so they know why we're doing something. That is a tool that I will then hold on to, put in my toolbox and pull out on the next job to make that job go smoothly. I think that's what it is. It's these little skills and techniques and ways of saying things that you pick Mm -hmm. up along the way. Mm -hmm. And then you can pull it out on the next job when you need that. I think that you develop these tools by being super aware, but also working with really great people. Yes. They might suggest certain ways of operating, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's totally the way that we should do it. And then when you get, when you work with really great people, you establish your tools or your processes that you know makes the project go smoothly. Mm-hmm. And then when you work with people that are not thinking in this way, that might be newer or just never been exposed to it, yeah. then you bring these tools so that the project can go smoothly because you know this is how it needs to go. And you can come forward with such confidence. No, we need to have a show and tell this evening for tomorrow to go smoothly. And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And they're like, I love this guy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I love this guy. Um, Or, you know, the producers, let me explain to you why we need these to do it this way and why it's costing what it needs to cost so that we can avoid these things. And they're like, they would never think oh, of yeah, having I a never conversation. I through that far and thought about that. It's definitely not a one-size-fits-all thing. You know, each project is different, has different yeah. requirements. Yeah. So you're going to use different tools yeah. for each project. Yeah. There's certain things where, like you're saying, talking to the producers about getting ahead of something and explaining why we're doing this now in order to yeah. avoid this later, save something. There's also, it's nice to have some of these tools just as a backup in case a situation comes up in a project. Yeah. You're like, okay, I've been here before and here's how we handled it last time. So let's try that again. And and just having an open mind, like you said, being open to other people, experienced people bringing in a new way of doing things and not being set in your way and this is how I do it every time kind of thing that's gonna run to problems so you gotta be do you have any examples of that even the show and tell thing is not gonna apply to every project Mm -hmm. um there you know if it's you might not have something the next day that you need to right show and tell Yeah. yeah I think the gist of it is really the picking up these ways of operating in a job that makes you exceptional. Yeah. Like this whole program is becoming exceptional. And what draws people yeah. to you in the film industry is being like, oh, they are really good. And then they put you number one on their list. Yes. So making that happen is really what this program is about. What I love about the program, it's yeah. kind of, you know, the spark notes, fast track of that. So it's kind of bringing together other folks' knowledge and experience and kind of giving the cheat notes. But a lot of this yeah. stuff is something you're just going to pick up along the way. And you just got to get in there and get started and see what works for you, see what might not work for certain situations and stuff. Yeah. So. You don't get invited into Academy-nominated level films and working with people like this if you're not operating in, operating in a certain way. Yeah. And, and that's what's exciting about this because you can be working in reality 
and mm-hmm. just work in reality TV yeah. for your whole career and never get these opportunities. Yeah. If you could put in a nutshell, what's the difference between somebody that gets pigeonholed doing like say just corporate video or reality TV and somebody that's giving these opportunities, what are you doing that's giving people this confidence in you? Being aware, having a personality that people like to work with. Okay, let's talk about personality. Yeah, it's like one at a time. That's a huge thing. Personality. I was telling you earlier, yeah. I'm at the point now where I'm getting to see other PAs. I'm getting to see other folks, how they operate on set. I'm, yeah. I'm the production designer <laughs> on these projects. Yeah. And so there's people you know, under me who I get to see what stands out, what makes certain people memorable, what makes me want to call people or help people on these projects. And you know what might make me be like, okay, yeah, they're here today, but you know, I don't need to work with them again. So what what is it? A huge part of that is personality. Mm. There are very good, very talented people, I'm sure that you work with as well, who are awful people. So some, negative, some of them get attitudes. work, yeah, but that's negative attitudes. But they're not someone I'm calling for work. Mm-hmm. That's a huge factor of it. But then there are people who might not know as much, who might be a little more green, or they're a little fresher getting into it, but they have mm-hmm. passion. They mm-hmm. want to learn. They mm-hmm. want to get in there and know what this is, what you do, how you got into it. They're passionate about it. And so those are the people that I want on my team. Those are the people that stick in my head and make yeah. an impression. Yeah. And that then next time I see them on set, I'm excited to see them. Nobody's You perfect. just need to be passionate, positive, problem-solving. Yeah. Um, proactive, proactive and always wanting to learn more. Because, I mean, it's a given that there's always going to be new things to learn and new stuff to do. But the folks who are rigid and feel like they know it all at this point and there's nothing new to learn, whatever, what is there to gain there? What, like, and, why? and what kind of confidence can you have in them that they're right. going to solve the problems are, that are going to come up on set right. next the week? The new issues, the new problems, the new tech that we have to deal with, the yeah. new you know situation. If yeah. they're stuck in their way and they only do it one way, yeah, they're not going to be able to handle that. You know, when people, they might like you, um, but when they're looking at bringing in new people for their team, they're thinking about, okay, I got this shoot coming up, or I'm going to have to do all these things. And they go through the mentalist in their head. Who do I need to have? Who's the best person to have on this shoot Who with was me? really good at this, the last project? Yeah. Who, who, yeah. who handled this thing the last time that did it really well and with a good attitude? Yeah. I want that person. Mm. And so. that is a fascinating concept to explore because this is what makes you successful. It's getting people to constantly on every single job go like, oh, um, they're the person to have because they, you, you show them again and again on every single shoot that you're on it, that you're anticipating what needs you're, to, to be done, to be ready. You're having their back. Yeah. Mm. Those people impact mm-hmm. if I get called again. Mm-hmm. So I need to be sure that the folks I'm bringing on are good, make people feel good, are there to have a good time and get the job done. Yeah. The folks who are going to make me look good, they're the ones who get called. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how can I be sure 
because I want that amazing career. Yeah. How can I be sure to be seeing things in this light and be being that person? Um, Watch other people. What oh. makes the people around you, who everyone else on this set mm -hmm. had to, you know, get there from a connection or something mm -hmm. like that? Mm -hmm. What are they doing that makes them stand out? Mm. What are, when you're having conversations with mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. what is it about them that stands out to you? I'm starting mm -hmm. to take notes more and adjust how I interact with other folks, too, based on mm -hmm. how they've interacted with me or what little tidbits I've picked up from those people oh. that then go in my toolbox. Oh, I see. You're starting to, even this far in your career, start to really kind of analyze your own performance, your own communication, as well as other people's, so that you can be better, be smoother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always about improving. There's always going to be something new to learn or a better way to do something or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, if I'm with certain folks and they say something or do something a certain way that I yeah. like and that stands yeah. out to me, yeah. I'll borrow that. Yeah. 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 And by the same token, mm -hmm. if people are doing something that irks me or like doesn't feel quite right or something, I'll go through and be like, is that something that I do too? Is that something I maybe should kind of adjust or yeah. something too? Because do I don't want to have that impact on other people. I, I know that in the beginning of my career, they would say, can you do this? And I'd be like, no, that's not a good idea. Without providing a solution. Yeah, yeah. you never want to say no. You want to say, we could try that or we could do right. this. Yes. You always want to have a solution. Two options, yeah. yeah. How you approach the job. Mm-hmm. The way that you plan, the way that you think, you're passionate about the job, the team that you've assembled to do the job so that you guys are really good mm -hmm. and tight and handle problems coming up. And this has, a, has allowed you to then work with top people that yeah. have accelerated this even faster because then they have their ways of operating. Yeah. And so then you're like, oh wow, that's a great idea to do the show and tell about this thing and to say things in this manner. Yeah. And just and you get better and better and better. Yeah. And so, then you work yeah. with people who have worked with you already mm -hmm. and they know they can trust you. This feature I just wrapped, the cinematographer on it was someone who I've worked with for years off and on. As soon as I saw that, I was like, this is going to be a great project. So you're both like up and coming in your career and now you're doing a feature film together. Yeah, a union feature. And you both learned so much along the way yeah. by being attached to really great projects and really great people. Yeah. And, that's and then being able happening. to walk into that scout, mm -hmm. have that rapport with Chris already, and mm -hmm. set everyone else at ease. They're like, oh, these guys mm -hmm. know each other. Mm -hmm. They've done things together. They've yeah. been through things together. Yeah. This is gonna be, this is gonna go well. Yeah. So it puts everyone else at ease too. How you keep getting better, how you keep adding to your toolbox, yeah. You know, Marcella Shell was um, a couple years ago, two years it was ago? It 2019. We oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So four like years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And now it's just taking off. Yeah. Okay. And, and then how you are today with, with the feature film that you just did. Can, yeah. you, can you describe the growth in the way that you do your job? Yeah, I mean, those are great examples because it was the same designer I was working with, mm. which is an example of, you know, her knowing that I'm going to deliver and going to get the project done. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the successful relationship there. Big things that I've learned in the meantime, it's just getting better at my craft and mm. getting you know, more understanding of what I'm responsible for. When I was on Marcel, I didn't know I was supposed to be handling the budget, so it wasn't something that I asked for. They handled it within you know, other folks in the department. But you were supposed to be. But yeah, as the art director, that's yeah. I'm supposed to be in charge of the budget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was something right from the get-go on this project I was on top of. Yeah. I was asking the questions I needed to ask to get the information. I was doing the breakdown to put the budget together. I was on that. So so give give me advice if I'm newer. Like I say, I'm a year in, and I'm newer in a craft. What advice would you give me? Huge thing, and I wrote this down. Mm. When you're trying to get into a craft, Mm -hmm. and say your goal is, like my goal was to be a production designer, Mm -hmm. head of the art department. Mm. In order to be a good head of department, you need to work all those other positions in the department so that you know what you're talking about when you are the leader. I worked in a scene shop, I worked painting, I worked construction, I worked shopping and set decorating and props and special effects. Intentionally you did that. You knew you wanted to do that. Yes. So that I could learn what those specific fields do in relation to the overall art department. And then as I moved up, now that I'm an art director, I know how to communicate with greens and what their priorities are as a department. I know, you know, Uh they want to keep the plants alive and watered. That's why they need to be on set at least every other day. They're not asking for that for all kinds of extra days and stuff. It's to keep the plants alive. Yeah, you know, which most people don't think about. So in a way, all of this experience that you get allows you to do your job better, but it also allows you to avoid a lot of conflict. Yes. So avoiding conflict in the other side of that is having things go smoothly. Yes. But that takes experience. It does. That's really what it it is. And the experience comes from, you know, hopefully from observing other folks and how they do it well and stuff, but it's also going to come from making mistakes. Mm -hmm. I was on a job last year where we didn't have an actual greens person and three very expensive hedges died and they actually, the production had to take out an insurance claim to cover the loss and damage on that. How much were they? It was a big deal. They were like, value or whatever was like $3,000 per hedge. Wow. And three of them were dead. Yeah, wow. Because they were like, oh no, just have a PA water them. And I'm like, I don't think we want to do that. But I didn't have the experience at that time to say, no, if we're doing Uh greens, we're having a greens person. If you don't want to have a greens person, we got to come up with something else for this set. So what gets us there, and this is why you are so in demand, is because all of these elements you've focused on and you've aligned with, you know, people with, and you have mentors and you have um, get, got, given yourself this experience so that you understand it. So the yeah. end result is very smooth. Yeah. But the process to making the end result very smooth is making mistakes, working in all the different jobs. In order to get, to make the mistakes and to get the experience, you have to be working. You gotta get in there. You gotta do it, yeah. Yeah, you have to seek out these jobs as well. Yeah. Like you have to be like, okay, I would love to work in greens. Like you have another job. I would love to work in greens. I wanna add that to my toolbox. Yeah. 
And I remember you did some office work and you're like, I want to yeah. work in the office to start learning that. You sought oh, that out yeah. too. Yep. What, what job was that? Office PAing. Yes. I learned so much just being in the production office, being quiet in my little corner and having these, all the produ- producer conversations happening right next to me. Getting to hear how they interact with the different departments, what they want from the different departments, Mm. all of that. What did you learn? Can you remember some of these um, conversations? um, It was this big, uh, like, pharmaceutical commercial or something, and the art Mm. department was building this beautiful, big set, and it was, like, millions of dollars budget. Somehow, the relationship between the producer and the production designer, from what I could see, was not great. It would be pretty cordial conversations, mm. but I could tell underneath oh, yeah. there was something going on. Tenseness. And stress. the production designer didn't have respect for the producer oh. and seemed the art department was trying to blow the budget on it and, you know, get a bunch of money for something or other. It was, it was a little murky and shady, but... Getting to see how those conversations went and Mm -hmm. how it it ended up leading to the production manager on the project getting fired. The production manager? They they threw the blame on him for not managing the budget well enough. This Uh, sucks because because he is working with art department and all the other departments. And art department is saying, we need these things. And then all he can say is no. He's totally stuck in the middle. They have no options. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really sad. Not a position I would want to be in. That, that's why so. that, that is a hard position. Yes. Very hard, yes. And the reason why it's hard is because you're trying to keep everybody happy, but you've got a dollar figure that, you're yeah. have, that you've been given that you didn't come up with that. You just no. have to, like, <laughs> you, you have to stick to that, because, and that's your job. But then you've got what, the, what they actually want to shoot, and it costs something different. So you've got to either say no or, or push them to find another way, but there may not be another way, and then you can get blamed for it yeah. and get fired. Um, yeah. Or you, production managers have to become very good at explaining, just like you have to yes. explain to their producer yeah. that you know, this is why it happens. So you, you know, this is why we need to increase the budget in this area, but I think I might be able to decrease it here or, yeah. you know, or we might have to go to the financier and ask for an overage yes, in order to, to do this, you yes. know? And then either they say yes or they say no. Yeah. What I do as an art director, too, is just mm. managing that budget and, you know, communicating with people, like, why is this expense more than what yeah. we budgeted for? How can we adjust that or deal with it or something? And then having that information so then I can go to the producers and say... We need more money for this in order to do what the director wants for this or something. Yeah. So then they either say yes or no, and then I go back to the other folks and say, they gave us the money, great, let's do it. Or they didn't approve it. we got to come up with something else. What might work for you instead? What might work for you instead? Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, and it just seems so obvious and little the way that you say it. It's like, well, of course, that's the way you would do it. Yeah, I'm not personally attached to it. I, it doesn't affect me at the end of the day in my life if yeah. we do A or B. Yeah. So. You've just learned how to have the conversations to move the project forward right. and have somebody make that decision. Yeah. Getting stuck in your own feelings about 
something or other, yeah. some piece of it or whatever, yeah. or you know, not having an option that can be decided upon and just yeah. being like, well, we'll figure that out later or something. No. Oh yeah. See, that's what, that's what a lot of people would want to do. Yeah. It's easier in the moment. For sure. It's much yeah. easier, much less resistance to mm. just be like, well, we're not sure. So we'll circle back or something like, mm. and sometimes there may be a reason for that. Of course, mm-hmm. they need to check with someone else who's not available right now or something. So you do, you, I make a note and circle back with them tomorrow. When you're in the production office and you observed yes. the tension that was happening between the producer and the production designer, you're learning, oh, that's, that's what not to do. Right. I don't want to have that tension with my producers. So what were some of the things they were doing? Like being demanding or just being negative or yeah. blaming? Or They would just kind of walk into the office and be like, so we're spending this much on the flooring, whatever, something uh-huh. like that. And the producer yeah. would be like, well, why this, that, whatever? It's like, well, because. They wouldn't like even give reasons oh. or anything. Uh-huh. They would just say, uh-huh. this is what it is, and we already spent it. So. so what's going on in that person's mind is just like, well, this is my job, and this is what it cost, and you know, you hired me, so... This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And you guys have to pay for it. Yeah. Instead Without of have, thinking of options, right? Yeah, or yeah. including them in some of the decision-making. Yeah. Because that's something mm-hmm. I notice with my craftspeople, too, and my construction yeah. teams and stuff like yeah. that. I'll give them the plans and the drawings mm-hmm. and, you know, the vision of what we're trying to do. And usually if it's something technical, I'll give mm-hmm. them the breakdowns of how I want it assembled and the notes and stuff and diagrams. Mm-hmm. But then as they're actually creating it and going through it, there's always going to be little things that come up. Mm-hmm. And the coordinators I work with, they're usually pretty creative folks on their own. So if it's something that, you know, isn't seen or isn't, you know, a vital piece or whatever, they'll make their own call on it and keep, keep moving forward. Yeah. But if there's something that, like, you know, might affect the overall look of the thing or, you know, yeah. might be a story point or something that needs to be considered, they get on the phone with me and they call me and they say, hey, so this has come up. We're wondering if you want the shelves to be this height or this height, something like that. Yeah. And then I, as the art director, who also has information of like what's going on the shelves, what you know, what else you needs see to a, a wider, with this, the yeah. big picture big, of it, bigger picture. And then mm-hmm. I can make that call and let them know, like, yeah, do them this high, or okay, mm-hmm. well, if we need to do it this way, then you know, make this adjustment so that it will work for the overall project. So having people on my team that I can trust to make those calls if it's, you know, something I don't need to be involved in, they'll just make the call and keep going. Because there's other folks who, as soon as they run into a roadblock and they don't know what to do or, you know, whatever, it's like something, they just sit there. Ah. And the work stops. So that's one of the things you're always thinking is keeping it moving. Yeah. Asking the right questions. So that you can keep it moving if you hit a roadblock. Because that set dresser might not care that camera's coming in in an hour and we need to be ready. Oh, yeah. They may not care, care. but you care because it's your ass. Right. Keeping it moving, make your boss look good, 
asking questions because like you just said your boss might not think of certain things or whatever and I love when people who are working for me come to me and ask those questions yeah? it's like doesn't bother you my initial reaction in the moment by be a little bit frustrated like oh god I'm working on 10 things right now and you're asking about this like okay but yeah. it's I appreciate it it's helpful because they they make me look good because they yeah. remind me of like, oh, hey, what about this thing? Is that still happening or whatever? And I can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, go on that or something, oh, you know? Yeah. So they're they're being proactive about it and coming yeah. to me with that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're so, thinking about what needs to be done in that day, and they're trying to make it better. Okay, yeah. so there's those kind of questions. Should we be thinking? And is there a way to phrase this? Yeah, should we be thinking about, or do we want to? Are there always, any updates on such and such? Mm. Are we still doing such and such? Uh huh. Okay. Um, very good. Very those good. Those are great ways to phrase it. And um, why is it not? What do you want? Because then that puts that person on the spot, and if they have ten things to think about, all they want is for you to go away. Really? Yes. <laughs> so that's yeah. not, you know, that's not helpful information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, you know, this is the yeah. same like going to the director and saying, you know, are we still doing such and such for this character or something, yeah. whatever, you know, checking in on that. Whereas if yeah. you go and say, do you like this or this better for yeah. such and such, then yeah. they can look, have their reaction, and everyone yeah. gets to move on. It's a much more teamwork orientated yeah. uh, way of approaching it while still respecting the hierarchy and the yeah. creative boundaries and mm, stuff. So that's good. very important. Yeah, I if love, you, you right. know, if you step over someone and then they don't feel respected, that's going to shut down a whole lot of other stuff down the road. What I love to personally do is I, I love to, when I introduce myself to the directors, I tell them, you know, yes, I've looked at the spot, I know what's happening, and if I have a specific question about a certain scene, I'll say, okay, how we're going to do this, how I plan to do this scene is this, or we can do it this way. We can do it, you know, both ways. How does that sound to you? What works for you? What works for yeah. you? Is there anything that you'd like to add to that or something that we might be missing or that right. we want to add to it to make it even better? And they're like, no, I think you pretty much covered it. But they yeah. love that I lay out for them my plans and how I would do it and then ask them, is there anything else that you would want to add or that we should get to make it even better and I'm right. excited about their project and my yeah. face you know I'm yeah I'm excited about it. I want to make it great for them and they're they that is just like I cinched the deal I started the day off right from that very moment they're just like I love her yep so that's a great point too just setting that tone at the top of the day like mm. I try to remember you know especially on a long project like this feature where we're working with the same people for months or something like yeah. still starting each day with each person with a good morning I have a list of things that I need to get to and whatever and yeah. stuff but like every yeah. time I hop on the phone with the producer and the first thing in the morning or something that's how we start ah. we get that energy set yes and then we get into the business and the work and do the negotiations and stuff like that. This but is starting with that humanity and that mm. little positive connection. It's respect for yourself. <laughs> it's respect for them. Yeah. It's establishing this is a way it's gonna go and I've got your back. Being in the industry a while, there was certainly an old way of doing things, which was much more of the whack-a-mole kind of yeah. mentality. Yeah. But what I'm noticing more these days is that those folks don't get called as much yeah. and they aren't on the projects as much anymore. And like, yeah. I'll give an example from this feature I'm on right now. Yeah. Um, 
that we're wrapping up. My uh, my props lead. Yeah. There's a couple scenes that required a fake weapon and such, and um, so she got the quote from the rental house that we mm -hmm. usually go to, and it was mm -hmm. a little high. There were a lot of weapons in this one scene and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so we also were referred to this guy who kind of, you know, he's non-union, but he's got mm -hmm. a cool collection and stuff and has done all kinds of stuff, whatever. He's in the biz. So she reached out to him and got a quote, and it was, you know, much nicer <laughs> to work with, mm -hmm. uh, money-wise. But this guy was being an asshole to her. He was yeah. just not respecting her and just using all kinds of foul language on the phone and just mm -hmm. like, you know, not great. Yeah. Not yeah. good feeling. Yeah. So, uh -huh. you know, she yeah. got into it and we got it going and stuff. But then, mm -hmm. like, through, over the course of the project, it became apparent to me that, like, that relationship was really just not working yeah. with that vendor. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't something that I wanted her to have to keep dealing with. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, she's got enough on her plate. She doesn't need mm -hmm. to deal with this asshole. Mm -hmm. So... I took that over, mm -hmm. kind of, with, with communicating with her, of course. I didn't mm -hmm. step in and take it. I, mm -hmm. you know, talked with her and we worked out how we were going to get through this for the rest of the project. And so then I became the point of contact for that guy. I'm the mm -hmm. one who, you know, goes and does the pickups and checks the stuff and everything, does all that, handles it. I'm a guy, so he seems to have more respect for me and stuff. And also I... I might not like it, but I can handle working with people who are more abrasive, I yeah. guess. I've developed a way of doing that so that um, they're able to get the job done. How do you do that anyway? Trying to find personal connections, oh. keeping myself grounded, slowing it down oh. for them. You know, like like I said, if I get a call and someone's a mile a minute and it's all this crazy stuff, whatever, I let them get that first round out. And then they take a breath finally. They're going to at some point. Mm -hmm. And I say, good morning. Mm. Kind of reset the whole thing. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. I'm going to stay cool yeah. and take care of this. Yeah. Let's get down to the facts. When you're talking about the boomerang method, mm. working non-union and union projects mm -hmm. and bouncing back and forth with those mm -hmm. um, so that you can kind of plant the seeds mm -hmm. for when you are on union projects. Mm -hmm. I think it, the th thing I want to say about that is letting go of the ego. Mm -hmm. Because for me, when I was you know moving up as a PA and then moving up into my art department stuff and all and now I'm a production designer or whatever I had to let go of that ego thing and I, I found enjoyment in it sometimes you know I'm not responsible here I'm just a PA this is great yeah kind of so, so. so you were working as a production designer and art director and then you would go on these big projects. union projects and you would yes. work as a PA yeah you did this intentionally yes and why so that I could see how those sets work, so I could meet the people on those sets. Yeah. Oh, and we were talking about niches within like reality TV versus scripted content and yeah. stuff like that. This is the boomerang like, method, yeah. Yeah, yeah the you gotta work in all of those. Yeah, so. so let me ask you, 
Okay, because you you built your experience in non-union. I mean, yeah. so the boomerang method is to go to union sets to build those connections and to, and to build mentors and to yeah. keep in touch with these people yeah. and establish those union. They've been in the business for a, longer. Okay. And then we've got all the non-union work, which is reality TV. It's promos. It's, it's music videos. Music it's, videos. Yeah. Pilots. Yeah. Uh, non-union TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. And non-union commercials. Yeah. There's been a lot more non-union work, at least here in LA. Yeah. A yeah. lot of the union projects. Mm-hmm. You know, they're definitely still here and mm-hmm. going and stuff, but it's mostly like studio stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. Or, well, yeah. They they so. don't see the commercials and all that, and that's a huge sector. You that's only huge, see that's yeah. the thing about the business. You only see you only, where you, are. you only see where you are, yeah. Which is why diversifying and getting it everywhere. Yeah. is how you're really going to see what the overall business is and where you yes. do want to fit in. And that's the purpose of the yeah. boomerang method, yeah. is to get all of these different viewpoints. Because it's very easy to just start working in one, yeah. and they keep calling you, and they keep calling and those you. Those are your connections, and that's where you go, and that's where you do. But then like, if that person leaves the industry or something, like, what do you do then? Your entire career up until this point, including Marcel the Shell, was mostly in the non-union world because you were not union. And that is how you build a career. You yes. have to do the non-union work yes. to be able to get qualified to join the union anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's not an overnight thing. I mean, yeah. no. I've been production designing seven years before I qualified to join the union. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it, it takes some time. So, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I did have an opportunity to join the union a little earlier, actually right after Marcel, but I mm-hmm. didn't feel like I was ready. Oh, interesting. I, Why? I didn't have the skills to be a union art director. And the reason why that's important is because once you're union, now you're going to be getting union work. Yeah. So you People want... are going to expect you to perform at a union level. Yeah. And you have to compete at the union level against right. other people against that are in that the circle. Against the union folks. So you're exactly. like, I need more experience to be able to compete at that level. Right. Okay. Right. Very good. And yeah. I don't want to be paying dues yet because I'm not making enough money at my level right now to make it worthwhile. Right. So. Yeah. That makes sense too. Okay, I like that. So, so you're like, yeah, and I've been doing very well in the non-union world. I have a ton of connections in the union world. So, you know, there's no big rush to get into the union stuff. I've got a pretty great life now, and I'm, you know, I've got a great career right now, and I've got a lot of people that want to call me. And in a way, you're going to be leaving that non-union world once you turn union. So you have to be ready to make that transition. Yeah. I need to have the connections. I need to know who I can call that is union as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Mm. That's um, a good point. Yeah, you ha- your, your team has to all be union as well. Right. So you're really transitioning an entire department, an entire team. Yeah. So you can't, you're, you're not going to be calling down your, all your regulars for your union right. shows. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say I had the confidence at that point to know that I would be joining the union. And mm-hmm. I would be at that level one yeah. day. Yeah. It was going to happen. It didn't need to happen today yeah. because it would happen at the right time. So I just that made peace with that. Yeah. And then a couple years later, an opportunity came up and I felt like it was time. And 
so I joined. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It's very simple, really. It, it is very simple. So it's you know, having a confident stance. It. It's a con- you're confident in your career. Yeah. Um, you're in charge of your career, so there's no yeah. big hurry to get into that. You know you're going to get that work. You that is exactly that. where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. It'll come. So that's for everybody here. Okay. Yeah. Very I would good. say continuing in that vein, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with the boomerang, something that came up um, mm-hmm. or came to mind and mm-hmm. talking about that requirement that once you're on union projects, mm-hmm. the crew you hire has to be union as well. Mm-hmm. For me in art department, because it can be such a massive crew that you need for certain projects, that was something that I held off joining the union for and that I did work mm-hmm. on union art departments as an art PA so that then I could meet all those folks. I could meet union set designers and graphic designers and union construction coordinators oh, and wow. painters and all. And now that I'm a union art director, I'm calling those people. Meet the folks on the union shoots because those are going to be the people you're calling once you're in the union to work on your projects. We often think that, oh, I'm gonna go on union shoots to meet people so that they can hire me. When in fact, when you are a go-getter that knows where you're going and you know that you're going to be getting onto these union sets, you're actually thinking about, oh, I'm going here to find the best people that I'm going to hire once I am in this position. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I love when I get to do that, when I get to call my union folks and whatever and be like, hey, you remember when I was art PAing on that thing? Well, I have a project now. I'd love to bring you on. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, how I would say, I would be like, I've been, you know, you're amazing. You're yeah. so great. I'd like your information. You know, sometime I'm sure that we're going to work together. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to work with you in the future. Yeah. And they're they're like, oh wow. Well you're yeah, you're much lower level right now, but they're like, okay, just the fact that he asked that question, I'm gonna give him my information. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, so the boomerang method is going on union sets to meet people, to find mentors. As a to, PA. As a product yeah. Yeah. The boomerang method is to go on big union sets as a production assistant because you cannot work in a craft until you're in the union. That's why it's a union set yeah. to learn, to be around the big sets, to see how the yeah. big sets operate and to make those connections, find people that you're going to work with in the future for your team, as well as getting their information now and developing those relationships while you work yeah. in the non-union world yeah. and then staying in touch with them all these years for yeah. when you're ready to back, go back and join the union. Then the other half of it is going on to non-union sets, like music videos, like promos, like TV shows, like commercials that are non-union, which is probably indie 80%. And, and indie features, yeah. probably 80% of the work. And getting your experience there, getting right. good there. Getting your credits. Getting your credits. you do join the union. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you intentionally go back and forth throughout the years you don't just want to stay in one because then you'll only have one set of connections. It really would stop you from being able to uh, start your career in the union yeah. because you don't have any connections. You don't right. have any team. Right. That's why it's important. Yeah, and that's why I held off joining the union when mm-hmm. the initial opportunity presented itself. I didn't feel like I had enough of a team to be able to take union jobs and to mm-hmm. deliver. So. I held off for a couple of years, and once I did feel I was ready, when the opportunity presented itself, I mm-hmm. 
went for it. So you built that team for when you became union. And yeah. the team that you were working with before on the non-union projects... You A bunch went, of them are union now. And so they, I still get to go They came them. with you. Okay, yeah. that's good. So they were moving up as well, yes. which is wonderful. Yes, so. and that is the whole point is everybody moves up. The best people move up yeah. together. And you tell them, hey, I'm going to be joining soon, so you better join as well. Yeah. Or you know, start getting your stuff together so that you're able to qualify and join. Really what happened was a bunch of my friends were getting in their unions as well. And then I was like, okay, enough of my folks are in the unions at this point. I can join and hire them as union folks now. Ah, That's, I see. Yeah. So people in the art department as well as in other departments as well, like yeah. you know, other producers and yep. other like DPs were all moving into union work. Okay, yep. this is a great point as well yep. then. So everybody got their experience in the non-union world and did a bunch of work and worked together and established and those relationships. relationships. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, the natural progression of people that are go-getters is to join to, is to join the union and start moving into that higher pay, bigger budget stuff. Now you intentionally did production assistant work on union sets during this process and worked in non-union world back and forth. Yeah. And how did that benefit you? Um, I mean, like you said, getting to see how a union set works before I'm even at that level and make yeah. those connections. Yeah. I think it also benefited me because it kind of gave me a, a check. You know, I yeah. was working as a production designer and head of department in the non-union world, but then yeah. when I'm working as a PA and stuff, I enjoyed it because it was a little more relaxed for me. I didn't have to be thinking about all these details and this and that and everything yeah. else. I just had to make sure people had water and the trash was taken out, yeah. and, you know, and yeah. then go see who needs help and what connections I can build and stuff. It's a so, great environment to learn when you can yeah. just be a cat on the side of the room. You can just kind of observe room. around you and mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Like, it's, it's great for watching, you know? I mean... If you're a PA and you have some downtime, don't sit there on your phone playing games or something. Nope. Watch. Ask what's happening. What's mm-hmm. that equipment? Why are you doing this mm-hmm. kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's an opportunity. Yeah. And so. one of your first uh, opportunities was somebody called you for a... A Beyonce oh. video. Yeah. They, you know, this friend of mine mm-hmm. who you know, knows me as a production designer at this point and stuff, but they had a friend reach out, need some PAs for a Beyonce video, Mm -hmm. and they know I like Beyonce, so they were like, do you want to do this? Is this even of interest? And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm free those days, let's do it. (laughs) So the ego thing, you had to put your ego behind you with that. Yes, yeah, you know, I had to be like, you know, today I'm a PA. People Mm -hmm. don't know me or what I do or whatever, they just see a production assistant, yeah. that's, that's my role today. That's what I'm gonna do, yeah. you know? I know I'm a designer and what I yeah. do and yeah. whatever and all, but uh-huh. I'm not here for validation on that today. Yeah. I'm here to learn, and make connections and grow. And you hung out with the art department and helped yeah. them, yeah? Yeah, got so. to meet the designer um, and, you know, start forming that connection and now yeah. years later, he and I are both in the union. I yeah. saw him at the awards show and congratulated yeah. him. So I'm sure we're going to be working together at some point here soon. Yeah. So And now I'm comfortable being like, hey, if you need an art director, I'm happy to help. You know? You can work with him. Back as then, when I was where I was at, I yeah. wasn't, I didn't have the skills or anything to even be able to offer myself. But the interesting thing was you had the confidence that you were going in that direction. You knew that. So that's why you 
got the names and numbers yeah. of the people in that department. Now, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. You know, it's casual, on set, kind of just building a connection and stuff and, mm -hmm. you know, starting that by offering to help. And then as yeah. you're helping do whatever the thing is, you chat with the person and how'd you get into the business? And, yeah. oh, that's great. And what else do you do? What do you have coming up kind of stuff? Yeah, by the end of it, you've got their numbers and you follow up later and... You keep working with these folks. And yeah. your intention on that, that job was like, I want to find some of the best people so that when I move into, when I get to be union, I can call them to yeah. be part of my team. Yeah. Working different positions within your department to yeah. gain knowledge so that when you are at the top of the department, if you're the cinematographer, if you're the production designer, if you're the director, yeah. You should know what you're talking about with other with these people and when you're trying to communicate your vision or what you yeah. want and stuff. Very so. helpful to work in all the different jobs inside a department to know that department inside out. Yeah. What kind of jobs have you done inside the art department? For too? art department, yeah. I mean, I definitely started as an art PA, and that's kind of generalized, especially on a non-union project. You're yeah. doing all kinds of things. Um, but I also worked in scene shops, construction, paint department, greens. Um, I worked as a shopper and buyer for set deck. I worked as a lead person and as a set decorator. So kind of all within that. Um, I've done a bunch of gigs as a props person and assistant props person, stuff like that. Just learning all those different parts of it. Yeah. Um, so that now when I'm art directing, yeah. I know how to communicate with each of those folks and kind of what their priorities are and what their goals are and what they need to do their jobs. I'm able to be ahead of it and provide that for them instead of just reacting when they come to me and need something or whatever. You want to understand all of the elements of what it means to make a the art department, the production design goes super smooth. So, so that the project keeps going. Yeah. I don't know if we caught that in the last one. Oh we my want gosh. the project to keep so. going. <laughs> yeah. No matter what job you want to do in this business, you, brought, you mentioned that it's really good to work in all of the jobs leading up to that job so that you know all of the jobs. And so yeah. you think that you should do that. You shouldn't just go jumping to the, the highest job. No. No, yeah. jump in the deep end like that. You're going to be overwhelmed. People aren't going to trust you. It's, yeah, it's a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, because you don't have the experience yet. Yeah. So how you get the experience is by working in all of these other Each jobs, of, like you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. And you don't have to stay in them forever, though. No. You're just doing it to get experience. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. a, another really good point. Certain, and I mean, certain people find that they do really love that. Sure, you Some don't always have to go to the top. Doing greens, yeah. they get into that, and that's where they stay and they love it, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's awesome for them too, yeah. so, but it's, it's like, not required. No, you can stay, I mean, people have, people have their whole career as a, as a boom operator or as yeah. an assistant camera. Especially if you're starting out as a PA, get experience in all the departments. So professional project strategy, let yeah. me define this for you and then you can just see if there's anything that comes to mind. This is where you are working on professional sets, could be any position, could be, let's just say, as a production assistant, but you know you want to get into a certain department. And you seek out people that are filmmakers on set that you can get experience doing that craft. 
Like yeah. say you want to do hair. You talk to, hey, who's got a project? I'd love to do hair on it. Or yeah. you want to act in it. Or you want to get experience as a set dresser. You're like, I want to get into yeah. the art department. I'm a PA. I need to get, I need to be able to say, hey, I'm also set dressing. So how am I going to get yeah. that? You find people on set that are already doing projects and you work on it as a set dresser or as an yeah. art director. Yeah. So have yeah. you done a ton of these? I, I bet you have. Quite a few, yeah. Tamara referred me to it, Oh, yeah, actually. I love it. Tamara, who's <laughs> friends in film. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my OG mentors. Um, she mm-hmm. connected me with this um, director, writer guy because um, she wasn't available for a project. It was very low budget, but he still, I think he paid us each like 60 bucks a day or something, uh-huh. a little. What'd you do on it? Acknowledgement, at least. I was a production yeah. designer. Okay, yeah. wow. Um, oh, well, no, I think the first project with him, I was the wardrobe supervisor because Tamara mm. had designed the costumes and stuff. There was a separate mm. production designer or whatever. But mm. I was on that and mentioned to him that I was getting more into production design and art department. So then his next project, he brought me in as the production designer. Interesting. So, from one, so you just get in the door on any professional project and then you establish a relationship and you tell them, hey, on your next one, because they're probably going to have a next one. Yeah. The people that are building their career are building their career. And they're going to, and how yeah. they build their career? Project for project for project. So you find Keep these people and, and you, that's how you build your career alongside them. Yes. You get in the door with people that are doing projects for their own career. Yeah. Those are good people because they are motivated with their own career. That means they're going to have a lot more projects in the future and they are making connections. It's almost like you're piggybacking on people's uh, brilliance and motivation and then you get involved with them, form that relationship. They are all, make them look good. good. At the same time, they are getting hired by other projects too. So TV shows feature films. And so then you get all of that work with them. And since you've helped somebody and done a favor for them, then that's also a very special relationship as well. I guess one other thing I should touch on is the peer-to-peer list. Mm. I've noticed some, and I guess this is probably specific to production designers, but mm-hmm. could be applied elsewhere as well. A lot of production designers kind of see each other kind of as competition almost. Oh, yeah. There's kind of a competitive edge to it. Uh-huh. Um, I would advise against that because these are your fellow workers and you're like if you can't take a job you need to be able to refer someone else who's good to reflect well on you something to keep in mind as you're moving up this is a beautiful point art direct for other designers and stuff and see who you like who does good work and stuff and then you're able to refer them they refer you it's it's a it's a good relationship and network to build and to 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 grow as opposed to kind of like get in there and compete against or something it is the big you just touched on a topic that is so huge because you'll see pas competing with each other trying to stand out and it is and all departments do it and it is human nature so this is why we want to talk about this because it's human nature to be like in that scarcity mindset, that's what that is. Right. It's like, hey, if I champion you, that means I might not get something. But we actually, if we all, if we are champion for all each other, then we're all gonna benefit from it. Yeah. If you're confident in your ability to create value, 
what makes you confident is just simply how you're thinking about yourself and creating that value, then you know that you're going to win, you know that you're going to work, and you know that other people, there are other great people out there too. And you can become a better version of yourself if you have other people that are also in on your team and in on the whole thing with you. Yes. If you have the scarcity, just catch yourself with it and just say, oh, I'm just coming from a lower, my lower self, a lower part of me. Let me make a little shift here. Yeah. Yeah. We all win. Thanks so much for listening. And if you want to take your career to the next level in the film industry, go to friendsinfilm.com slash join. That's friendsinfilm.com slash join. You can sign up for our mini course, learn about the A-list model, and then you can take it all the way and do the A-list program. So that's friendsinfilm.com slash join. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, everybody.